Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to be back. If you need a Bible, um, raise your hand. One of the ushers will get you one. We're in the book of Matthew. Um, For those of you who were expecting Felicia Scott to preach today, and she was scheduled to preach today, um, please do pray for her. She had to uh, attend to a family emergency. And so it also means that you have to be nice to the substitute teacher. That's what that also means. We're in Matthew 28. The title of the sermon is um, The Second Yes, Matthew 28, starting in verse 16. During, during my, my name is Red Sevilla. I'm the, direc- the director of New Life CDC, the Community Development Corporation here at New Life, whose mission is to be able to come alongside the poor and the marginalized in this neighborhood. Um, been away for a few weeks, and during that time away was a really special time being able to spend time with my dad there on the left. That's my kids in the middle and my mom. And um, he doesn't come around uh, often because he doesn't live in New York. My folks have been divorced for a while, and so it's special, special um, most notably for the kids because uh, it's not often that they get to see grandma and grandpa together. And here's a Here's a picture of him with uh, a, a Get Well Soon card that Amber made for him. Uh, it's because he's also been battling uh, cancer. Um, so you could pray for him as well. And so you can imagine the kind of conversations that I've been having with him have been uh, really significant. Uh, and one of the questions that I ask him a lot is, uh, are, the, are the why questions? I don't spend a lot of time with him, so I would ask him, uh, Dad, why, why did you bring us here from the Philippines? Like, why did you leave home? Uh, why move to New York? And I imagine some of you have those kind of questions that asks, uh, why, am I, why am I here? Uh, maybe in the state or city or even at your workplace, why am I here at this workplace or on this street? Or in this church, why am I here? And the information that he gives me when he uh, tells me the story is it's for a better life. And how I translated that in my upbringing was that it was for more money and more comfort. Uh, because those are the things that I chased after, especially after college. Until I realized that as I chased those things, I was making the biggest mistake of my life. Because Jesus said in his word that you can gain the whole world and yet lose your soul. You can gain the whole world and lose your soul. And I thank God that in Matthew 28, Jesus does something to his followers so that instead of gaining the whole world and losing their souls, they actually, because of what Jesus did, they actually transformed the world and began to rescue souls. And what he did was actually quite simple, and that one thing that he did is something that I would just want to touch on today, and that one thing that he did was simply is that he sent out disciples to make disciples. That's the one thing he did. Now, some of you guys might be thinking, oh, I've heard this before. Not very earth-shattering at all. I was hoping it was something more exciting. But I want you to know the significance of what Jesus did. Because of what he did, this church actually came into existence. 
And so just by nodding your head, let me know if you're grateful for New Life Fellowship. Just kind of nod at me. You're grateful for the work of God that's happening here. And it's because Jesus did what he did in sending out disciples to make disciples that this fellowship that you enjoy and love actually came into existence. It's because Jesus sent out disciples to make disciples that somebody discipled someone who discipled someone who discipled Pete and Jerry so that they could birth the church in Corona. It's because Jesus did this one thing of sending out disciples to make disciples that the good news of Jesus Christ and his love and his forgiveness traveled from Jerusalem to Elmhurst Corona thousands of years later. It's because Jesus did this one thing of making disciples who made disciples that your lives have been transformed. It's because he simply did this one thing And the people responded by saying yes to that sending, to that commissioning. And so my prayer today, and you don't have to close your eyes as I I pray this over you, but my prayer is that you simply hear the voice of the Holy Spirit sending you and commissioning you to go and make disciples who make disciples. That's, That's my prayer. And may God give you the grace to be able to obey. And so let's just turn there, Matthew 28, starting in verse 16 in your Bibles or in your devices, Matthew 28, chapter 28, verse 16. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the, of the age. When Jesus first met, first met his followers, they were, they were simply going through the motions. Um, I read it in the accounts. Um, Matthew just kind of wanted more money. James and John, Peter, Andrew just wanted more fish. They were just going through the the motions until Jesus stepped in and changed the direction of their life forever. And I can identify with going through the the motions, and I wonder if you can as well. I felt it in the workplace. I was simply going through the motions. And for me, because of the stories of how my parents brought me up, I was simply after more money, and more comfort. And this was most prominent for me in the workplace when I started working after college. Um, I, I, I was trained in the building industry, and so a lot of the people that I worked with and my bosses would consistently, consistently talk about money and their investments and their houses. And so I began to want those things as well to a point where I had financial salary goals in my mind that I wanted to be able to reach and reach as fast as possible. And I remember there was this one point where my boss called me in, um, sat me down, and he actually had great news for me. He told me that I was just going to receive a raise, and it was a significant, significant raise. Significant raise to the point that It was so close to that financial salary goal that I actually had. And so when he gave this raise to me, I walked out of that office, and you would think that I would be uh, uh, doing cartwheels, chest bumps, high fives, 
uh, calling my friends and family. But you know what happened? I sat in front of my computer and I felt so unfulfilled. I felt so empty. And I've, it's, it's as if Jesus was standing behind me and he leaned over and he said, I've got more for you. Felt like he leaned over and he said, because you can gain the world and you can lose your soul. And I was so awakened to this truth. I was so awakened that God did not send his son from the heavens to the earth to die on the cross to take all the sins of humanity upon himself, resurrect from the dead so that I could save enough money to buy a really nice house. Absolutely not. God sent his son to be able to seek and save the lost. And to be able to send us out to do the same so that we can join in that work of God all around the world. Including in your workplace, in your school, on your block, in this church. And so I I was awakened to this in the workplace. And I had to first of all repent. I had to repent because of the idolatry that was built up in my heart. For more money, more comfort. But as I repented, God began to work in me, and I realized that I too was being sent to that office place. And so there was this renewed sense of dedication in my office. Uh, I, I wanted to show up a little bit earlier. I wanted to be able to find out the interests of my bosses so that I could look out after their interests. Why? Because I knew. I knew that one day they would say, hey, why do you keep on looking out for, the, for these guys above me, my supervisors? Because it would be at that point where I would say, it's because of Jesus Christ. It's because that he did for me, I now want to work as if I'm working for him. And then be able to share and explain the reason for the hope that's in me. But it was another thing when that moment came because I was terrified to be able to speak up. And there was this one particular moment that I felt was really significant. Um, My boss called me in again. He's chatting with me. I'm standing up. He's behind his desk. Um, His name was Jamil. And Jamil was starting to talk to me about some of the hardships that he's been experiencing at his workplace. And I felt the Holy Spirit said, go pray for him. I don't know about your workplace, But there are many workplaces where it's very hard to be able to volunteer some kind of act like that. Some of you can't even utter the word Jesus or God in your workplace. That was one of those workplaces. I was fearful. And by the grace of God, I simply said, uh, is it okay if I pray for you? Fearful of being rejected. You know what he doesn't say? He he looks at me first like I'm from Mars. (laughs) And then he goes like this. I didn't know what he was doing, but I took it as an invitation for me to pray. <laughs> and so I walked, I walked behind him, and I put his hand, my hand on his shoulder and just kind of waited for his reaction, and he stayed in that posture. So I began to pray for my boss. I can't tell you the level of joy that rose up in me for that one simple act. I felt like I was aligning with the heart of God for that office. I felt like I was aligning with the heart of God who wanted to be able to invade that office space. 
simply because I offered to pray, knowing that I've been sent there to be able to make disciples who make disciples. And it's at that point that somebody told me, you know why I read? Because you're a missionary in that workplace. I said, I can't be a missionary. I don't have a Bible degree. I never went to seminary. And then that's when I was really encouraged by Matthew 28. Because when you read through this passage, and when you read, through about, we read about the disciples who were sent, these were the first missionaries. Listen, if you were Jesus Christ, and you had the mission to be able to reach the whole world, who would you call? Wouldn't you call somebody with great influence, maybe a celebrity, maybe somebody in, uh, uh, maybe somebody in political office, maybe the mayor, maybe some, somebody really great on social media? Do you know who Jesus calls? Jesus calls fishermen. It's like if I had, uh, if I had a, a goal to be able to reach the whole globe, it's like I, I, it's like I go and call a busboy. Or I go to the local construction site and I call some of the workers there. Or I enlist an Uber driver or a tax preparer. What kind of plan is this? And yet the first missionaries of the Savior of the world, the first missionaries that he sends out are these regular people. And if you, if you, look, at, if you look at the Bible, they say these men were unschooled, unlearned men. No Bible degrees, no seminary degrees. And yet they were sent. They were not powerful people, but they were sent by a powerful God. He doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. And so when we look at this passage, all they did was say yes. And and you think, it's easy to think that missionaries are those who travel abroad, These first missionaries didn't go anywhere. They just stayed in their local context, in their marketplace, through their own natural networks, recognizing that they were sent to be able to make disciples who make disciples, and all they did was say yes. So at this point, you may be wondering, well, what's the second second yes about anyway? Well, the first yes, if you read through accounts of Jesus calling his disciples, the first yes is when he said, come and follow me, and they said yes. That was the first yes. The second yes is when he said, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when they obeyed, that was the second yes. And so my question to you is, Are you willing to say and give him that second yes? Because here's the sad part. The sad part is that, at least in my own limited experience, many people give that first yes and somehow neglect the second. And even when I read this passage, it says in verse 16, the eleven. What happened to everybody else? The sad truth is, for whatever reason, legit or otherwise, many people simply don't show up. They don't show up. They say that first yes, but they neglect 
the second, the sending out of Jesus. You see, this is significant because the first yes is when I receive Christ. It's when I become a disciple. The second yes is when I make disciples. The first yes, when I receive Christ as Savior and Lord, is what changes me. The second yes is what changes the people around me. And so that's the question this morning. Are you willing to give him that second yes? Because if you do, buyer beware, your life will not be the same. Because you will be joining the hand of God at work all around this city, this world, your workplace, your school, your street, your family. If you say that second, yes. And so let me just give um, a, a story about how this has been recently um, been playing out. Um, actually, Francine Brown right here. Um, she and I together with, with some others who are part of the, um, the small groups um, here at New Life, uh, we were simply walking the neighborhood um, meeting people, offering to pray for them, uh, recognizing that there's just a lot of hate um, in media, in this world today, and just our way of being able to offer uh, a glimpse of hope uh, to someone. So we came across this young man. Um, his, name is, um, his name is Jason. He gave me permission to be able to tell this story. Um, as Francine and I approached, approached him, he, um, he was feeding the meter, and he dropped his keys. Um, which is kind of interesting. Um, so as we walked toward him, he dropped his keys again. And I felt like God was speaking um, to us about just the fact that he kept on dropping his keys. And I got the sense that this guy was, because he kept on dropping his keys, that he was, spiritually speaking, lost. And so I just began to ask God, God, is that, is that really you? What else? Is there anything else about him that um, you think that we should uh, bring up with him? And so we got up the courage to be able to go up to this young man. And um, I, I said, you know, um, this, this is weird, but uh, sometimes we get these messages um, for people, and I think we have a message, a message for you. Um, at that point, he's looking at us like we have eight heads. You know what I mean? And um, we tell him, and I, I say, I think, you're, I think you're lost. And I think you've been trying to find a way, but you can't, and you're lost. And I continue to just come and give him this information. And then now he's looking at me like I have fifth, we have 15 heads. He has to leave, and I, I say, hey, you know, is it just as a way of keeping in, in touch? Maybe we can pray for you. Is it okay if I grab your number? Um, felt uncomfortable, felt like a pickup line. But he was gracious enough to be able to give it, so I wrote it down, texted him right there, um, let a couple of days pass. We're, we're praying for him, and um, I, I, I text him. Um, many times, some of these folks that um, we meet, we text, they don't respond, uh, but this young man, uh, when I asked him, hey, do you want to continue that conversation? Send. He replies back, and he says, yes, I'm willing to, to meet up. Um, so there's this excitement that's brewing up. I wonder what God is doing in him. Um, I say, hey, let's meet at, at Horace Harding at the Dunkin' Donuts nearby. Um, and so we, we set up a time. I get, there, I get there early, and I'm looking out the window like this. You know, is he coming? You know, again, it feels like this first date. So is he is coming? And so he comes. Um, he sits down, and his first words to me, you make me nervous, bro. 
Then I say, I can, I can understand. I, I can understand. Um, and he's like, like, who told you that? What was that? And so I just began to explain to him that um, I think God is, is calling and is calling you. And let me, let, me spoil, let me spoil the ending. His life changes at that Dunkin' Donuts. And what I want to show you is what I actually showed him. And I show this to you because this was taught to me, and you can use it as well. And I simply told him, I said, listen, can I show you this drawing that really changed me? And he said, okay. And um, so I took out a a piece of paper. Um, I drew one circle to the right, and I said, listen, Jason, when you think of this world um, and you watch the news, do you hear mostly good news or bad news? bad news, right? So there's killing, there's hate, uh, there's racism, and it simply showed that our world that we live in is broken. But the world that God created, I drew a circle on the left, was not like that. It was actually a world that was full of love. There's this Hebrew word of shalom that filled this world. There was harmony and reconciliation in all relationships, us in God, us with each other, us in the environment, in all, in all respects. So, what do you, Jason, what do you think happened? What do you think happened? How did we get from this world to the left to that world to the right? How did, how did that happen? And it's because of sin. And I simply define sin as sin as you're, you're choosing your own way instead of the way of God. And then do people want to live in that right world? In the world to the right? No, nobody wants to live there. So what do they try to do? They try to get out. Um, they turn to medicate their pain through drugs, or they might turn to money like I did. Um, they, they turn to alcohol, or even some literally try to get out by committing, by committing suicide. But these aren't solutions because they simply rope you back. They bring you back to this world of brokenness. But God in his love, he actually creates a way so that we can move from a place of brokenness and begin to experience once again the original life and design that he had for us. And how does he do this? He do this, he does this through that third circle. But first, we need to recognize that God is not only a God of love, but God is also a judge. And any good judge will place a punishment on a crime. A judge that doesn't do that is a joke. Any great judge will put a punishment on a crime, and sin is a spiritual crime. And the punishment is separation from him, which can lead to an even eternal separation to a place called hell. But God doesn't want that eternal separation for any of his creation. And so what does he do? He sends his son Jesus to come from the heavens to the earth into this world of brokenness, raises him up on the third day, rises from the dead. And that's why when he takes the sins of the world upon himself, that's why he's called Savior. And he is the only person who both predicted his death and resurrection and actually accomplished it, and that's why he's called Lord. But I told him, I said, listen, this doesn't apply to everyone. Some people reject this truth. And the way that you receive this or the way that this forgiveness 
applies to you is when you repent, when you turn from your sin, when you believe that Jesus died for you, and when you receive him as Savior, and when you receive him as Lord. And then when you do this, he actually, the word says that he forgives you all of your sin so that you can walk free. And it doesn't stop there. He actually gives you the Holy Spirit, this person called the helper, so that the Holy Spirit can help you follow Jesus and obey, so that you can begin to experience that circle at the top left. You can experience once again the design and the life that Jesus has for you. And then he does something strange, God does. He actually sends you back to that place of brokenness. And then I asked Jason why. And then I told him the reason why is when you receive Christ, he sends you back to that place of brokenness so that you could be that messenger of hope for others. Just like I'm being a messenger for you. And then I said to him, I said, um, you, can act, you can go home and think about how to respond to this. You could take a couple of days, I'll, I'll reach out to you again. Or if you feel the sense, you can actually receive Christ now. I won't forget it. He bows his head and then he says, I want to receive Christ now. I explained it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I explained it to him again. I pray over him and this young man is visibly, visibly shaken. He, he puts his head up and then he goes, When do I see you again? You're like a date, you know what I mean? When do I see you again? I kind of chuckle. I said, listen, as, as often you want. So we've actually continued to meet. He was actually here at the first service. And during that point, he jumps on the stage. Didn't he? It was kind of crazy. <laughs> and he was here, you know, this young man. So I've been, I've been, meeting, uh, been meeting with him. And uh, later on, I asked him, listen, why did you do it? Why did you receive Christ? And he pointed to that right circle and he pointed to that word suicide. He goes, I've been so lost. I've thought about that so many times. My friends, my family reach out to me. I don't respond. And then that one day you guys came up to me. And then he knew. He knew what was happening. And then now just... Um, I got back from vacation. I just gave him a call, asking him permission to be able to give the story. And then he said, I, can't, I couldn't wait until you got back, man. Because remember that guy at work that I told you about? There's this worker, co-worker that's been opening up to him. And when he told me about that co-worker, I said, you know, God is sending you that co-worker because you're sent to that workplace. He goes, no, I'm not. What are you talking about? The reason why he was so excited to, to speak to me is that now there have been four people just kind of going up to him and opening up their lives to him. And now he's recognizing that he has been sent at that place. Sent to that place to be able to make disciples who make disciples. Now, some of you guys might be thinking, you know, Red, we're not all like you, okay? <laughs> Remember that story with Jamil? I was so afraid to offer to pray for that man. It just starts with that little act, that simple beginner question. Is it okay if I pray for you? 
And as you begin to exercise those obedience muscles, watch what Jesus does. You just watch when you say that second yes. And so just as, 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 um, as I wrap, wrap this up, I just want to touch on that word. Um, uh, if you give me a couple hours, I could, I could uh, talk about just the richness of this passage. But I just w- want to um, talk about just this word authority and how some of you might be feeling fear to be able to say that second yes, which is l- legitimate. But I want you to know if you recognize what God meant when he sent you out with authority, your faith will rise. Your faith will rise. And the reason why he sends us out with authority when he sends us out to make disciples is because there is a power that is against us. There is a power of the enemy that is against all kinds of disciple making. He wants, the enemy, the devil wants all kinds of discipleship and disciple making activities to stop. There is a power against us, and that's why Jesus had to be able to send us out in authority. Let me just unpack that for a moment. What would you prefer? Would you prefer authority or power? And God began to explain to me um, the significance of authority, and it came as I was dropping my kids off at school, and I stopped at the intersection. And in front of me was a crossing guard, and I saw this big bus heading toward that intersection, toward that crossing guard. And I felt like God was saying, that bus is a, let me ask you first of all, it's not a trick question, okay? What do you think is more powerful, a bus or a crossing guard? Not a trick question. A bus! So I look, I look at this bus, and it was a little terrifying because it was going pretty fast down that street. And I felt like God was saying, that's a picture of the power of the enemy. This crossing guard is a picture of the authority I've given you. That bus comes down, the crossing guard stands in front of the bus, puts her hand up, that bus stops, and the crossing guard just kind of leans on it. Just kind of leaning, just chilling. And I felt like I had to take a picture of it. It was like God was saying, it didn't matter how powerful that bus was. The authority stopped it. Authority overcomes power. And I felt like God was saying, just as the school gave that crossing guard the authority to stop that bus, Jesus says, I give you authority to be able to make disciples stop the power of the enemy so that they can experience not the crossing, but experience the cross. You recognize, I saw it. That's that's what happened to Jason. There was a power of darkness that was gripping him. Until, until the authority of Jesus stepped in, stopped that power so that he can experience the saving grace of the cross. I'm, I, I'm letting, are you willing to say that second yes? And again, it feels uncertain. It feels like you might be stepping off a cliff. Jesus says that's exactly right. 
Because this authority that's worked in you does not come from yourself. It's not by skill or personality. It comes from my authority that sends you out. And I'm telling you that if you say that second yes, when you begin to make disciples who make disciples, you will be unstoppable. That's not just a feel-good statement. I know this is true. You know why? Because this has been happening for thousands and thousands of years. It's the reason why this church came into existence. It's the reason why there are billions of followers of Jesus Christ. And when we continue to say that second yes, there will be billions more. Assuming he doesn't come sooner. Are you willing to give that second yes? Because if Jesus said it, that settles it. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And so now, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And he says, surely I'm with you always to the end of the age. I just want to give some easy, practical next steps here that might apply um, to many of you. Um, Maybe for you, it's really... Uh, just starting with that second one, maybe it's time for you to truly recognize that you're not just at your workplace for more money or more comfort. Those aren't evil things, but they're not the only thing. Maybe you are there because you have been sent. You are there to be able to point to Jesus Christ and make disciples who make disciples. Or maybe you are sent in your city, on on your block, on your street, and maybe you've been a neighbor to your neighbor for that particular reason. And again, it simply starts by saying, yes, and even more practically speaking, is it okay if I pray for you? Or maybe, you know what, Um, you you don't know how to do this. And church is a great place to be able to approach someone, uh, your small group leader or somebody in your small group or somebody in some of these classes that we offer here and say, would you mentor me? Would you disciple me? So I experience what that's like so that I can mentor and disciple others. Some of you guys have been walking with Jesus Christ for a long time. It's time. It's time. And then just lastly, that, that top line there, the first The first and second yes, as I call the worship team up before we close um, in song. Maybe, maybe you're that person. You've never, you've never given that first yes at all. You've never received Christ as Savior and Lord. And so later on, when Pete calls up the, the, the prayer team, I want you to be able to run to the front, come to the front and let the people praying for you that you want to receive Christ for the first time. And then for for many of you here, I want to give you an opportunity to do something courageous. If you do sense uh, that it's time for you to say that second yes, or renew saying that second yes, I want you to stand. No judgments if you don't stand. You have your own legitimate reasons. But some of you, you know that this is for you. You know that there's a tug of the Holy Spirit tugging at your heart now.
And so I just want to pray for you standing before I pray for us. We close into song. Father, you see these, my brothers and sisters who are standing. I agree with those that are seated as we pray for you, those who are standing. We agree together for a greater anointing on your life now. Greater levels of authority, greater levels of anointing, greater levels of boldness, fearlessness that comes from the throne room of heaven. Let that be upon you now in the name of Jesus Christ. And would the rest of you just stand with me as we close and then we'll sing together. Oh, Father, just as we sing, Lord God, may we dedicate the rest of our lives moving forward unto you. Recognizing, Lord God, that you saved us and you use us to save others around us, Lord. We love you and we worship you and we give you thanks and praise. And everybody said, Amen. Let's sing together. Falling on my knees in worship, giving all I am to seek your face. Lord,
Invite the uh, prayer teams uh, to come forward uh, to your right over here, and uh, those who are serving communion over here to uh, to your left. And thank you, Red, so much for that. It was such a such a gift uh, for all of us. And so uh, right now, there's a, a baptism class uh, going on upstairs in a mezzanine uh, at 10:30. It started. And there's going to be one next week as well, uh, led by Joe. So if you're curious, as some folks were after first service about baptism. Uh, we want to encourage you to come uh, at 10.30 and go upstairs, and you'll just find out more about it. And uh, that's just part of that whole us being disciples so we can make disciples, all right? So, but we heard such a such a great just word today. I mean, I, I, mean, I, I don't know about you. I look at myself, and I say, you know, Lord, you, you got to be kidding. You're like, I'm going to help anybody grow in Jesus. And uh, like you, I hear to... The thousands and thousands of voices that come at me day and day and night and say, sent, you got to be kidding me. And, you know, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And he chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. And, and Jesus was very purposeful in choosing those disciples, the 12, because they were, as in the world standards, that they were nobodies. And, uh, you know, they weren't famous and wealthy and super well-educated. They were just regular people like all of us in this room. And, and, uh, but the point of this is, see, God is for us, and he takes ordinary people like you and like me, and he actually sends us, and, and we're the ones he, he wants to use to actually change the world around us. And uh, just what a gift. And so we come in, in weakness, everybody. We're all weak, and I hear an amen for that. You know, it's the, the gospel, Jesus died uh, for the ungodly. Okay, that's all of us. He died for the world, sinners. We're all sinners. And 
and Jesus dies and sheds his blood for us and as our substitute in our place. And God is for you. And God is for me. And Jesus has resurrected. He's alive. He's conquered the devil. He's conquered death. He's conquered sin. And he transfers us into a whole nother kingdom by his grace. And so here you are and here I am. So as we close, uh, for some of you, uh, as Red shared, it's the first yes. So you want to come to Jesus and receive forgiveness. Jesus, come follow me and I'll make you a fisher of men. I'll, I'll give you, I'll set you up for the second yes, but want you to come forward. But for most of us in this room, it's our, it's our second yes. And every day I've got to say, yes, Jesus, you know, I'm going to pursue you. Uh, not everything the world tells me to go after money, comfort, relationships, power, whatever it might be. I'm pursuing Lord you and you've got a mission for me and God's got a mission for you. So I want to invite you as you close, the prayer teams will be here to open up your hands up towards heaven like this and and receive a blessing. And we believe in blessings here at New Life. (coughs) Our whole goal as a community is that you might continually, day in, day out, open your heart to Jesus who's constantly knocking on the door of your life and my life and saying, let me in. And we invite him to to flood us with his presence and fill us with the Spirit and enable us to live lives that would be impossible to live. But we come and we say, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief, which is one of the most beautiful prayers in the Bible. I believe, but Lord, help my unbelief. That's all you got to come with, that little mustard seed, and he'll take care of the rest and make you the woman, the man he's called you to be that you've beyond anything you've ever dreamed. So now receive right now from the Lord as we close. So may the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you and may his face shine on you. And may the Lord give you grace right now to open wide your soul and your heart, your whole being. And may the Holy Spirit flood you now in the name of Jesus. May may God fill you with heaven itself, your mind, your heart, your soul to overflowing. And may the Lord restore you to the image in which he created you. May you be conformed to Jesus. And may you go here as a sent one into the world that you too would make disciples just like the original 11, just like the tens of thousands have over the centuries. And may you fulfill your unique, unrepeatable purpose for your life. And may every doubt be driven from you. May the power of the evil one be broken over your life. For the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil over your life and over my life. And so I speak freedom over you in the name of Jesus. As you leave this place, that you might be a blessing to your family, to your friends, to your neighbors, to your co-workers as you leave this place in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Thank you, everybody. Lord bless you.